I should tell the listeners that you're on a phone because uh, Skype, being its usual temperamental self, uh, couldn't do it. I wrote the intro before I loaded up Skype and discovered that it didn't work. But look at it this way. We like those, uh, I don't know if you've got a Facebook feed full of these you know, motivational coaches and uh, you know, thought leaders at the moment who seem to be so busy and so important, entrepreneuring, that they have to record all of their thoughts um, streaming video from their car. So that's us, Prof. We're so busy that we can't stop. We just have to go about our beer day to bring this podcast to, to our uh, good listeners. That's it. And maybe next time we could do a uh, – we could when we do a road trip, we could actually do a road trip recording. Yeah. I think we'd have to get a, we'd have to get a chauffeur because I think, you know, when, when, when we all get a bit emotional and get a bit, uh, you know, invested in the, in the topic and get a bit, uh, <laughs> a bit feisty and excited, we might, we might have to pull over and just, you know, calm things down. So, well, yeah, perhaps if we get a driver and the three of us just do, you know, like carpool karaoke, we'll do, you know, carpool <laughs> RPM. The Crime Alt. There's a grain of truth in every beer. This is Radio Brews News. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me through the magic of the interwebs and sharing all my personal details is the founding editor of Australian Brews News and the man responsible for almost every opinion piece regarding independent beer published this week in Australia, Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. G'day, Prof. Uh, Matt, you blew the uh, podcasting budget on one bottle of beer this week. Oh, jeez. You buy one bottle of beer. (laughs) It it was the most expensive bottle of beer on the night, almost. Almost. Well, I... Yeah, we'll we'll come to that in uh, in news, but yeah, I thought that uh, that our generosity might have kickstarted the rest and sort of thought, oh, okay, the new a new bar has been set, and it wasn't until the, the very last bottle that uh, our record for the highest price on the night was uh, was top. But we shall come to that um, now, uh, listeners. Our regular co-host James Atkinson is over in New Zealand covering the IBD conference, and sitting in for him this week is Fresh Air. We could actually get somebody at uh, at short notice, uh, so we're just going to go two handed, double fisted. Is that right, Matt? Uh, it'll just be you and I, Prof. That's it. And uh, this week in news, we take a look at, in no particular order, uh, Queensland announces a plan to look at planning a strategy to plan the creation of a strategy to plan for a craft beer strategy. The IBA unveils Brewcon 2018. Uh, craft beer could it be the key to WA tourism success? Uh, is local Guinness all it's cracked up to be? And speaking of which, is Trailblazer blazing a trail on the right track? And uh, controversy continues to rage after man walks into pub and buys a two hundred dollar traveller. Matt, uh, well let's 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 kick that off because we've kind of I guess teased the listeners now. But uh, on uh, on Thursday night in uh, Melbourne in at uh, Beer Mash in uh, Collingwood, Goose Island had a um, it was quite an innovative thing where they auctioned off the last. In inverted commas, uh, 12 bottles of their Bourbon County barrel-aged stout. Um, hosted, uh, it was a, a live auction on Facebook, The uh, chatting to the organisers afterwards. It was one of those things where, oh, look, do we, you know, had, we want to raise some money for, for Pink Boot Society. So all, all proceeds, um, or every dollar that was spent on these 12 bottles of beer uh, went to Pink Boot Society. And the idea was, oh, you know, do we... Conceptually, how do we how do we actually do it so that it's fair for everyone? You, if you have a like a, a live in room auction, it then limits it to you know the people who are who happen to be able to to get there on that night. Uh, do we you know get people to send in you know silent bids that sort of thing? And they thought, well, let's, let's try it as a as a Facebook live 
kind of event, and um, it, it certainly seemed to to garner plenty of interest. Um, as I was, I was, I think I was the only. There might have been one other um, uh, bidder who was actually in the in the room. Um, but uh, yeah, certainly certainly got a lot of interest, and twenty one hundred and twenty eight dollars. I think they uh, they raised for uh, for pink boots. And uh, as you alluded to, Matt, yes, I. With permission, I did. Uh, yeah, no. I, I texted you before I did because I was more than happy to 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 have, um, to, to have bought one, and then thought, oh, you know, maybe we can then you know, use that to sort of uh, promote Brews News, but also you know uh, to to show that we do support the uh, the industry that uh, that supports us. Absolutely, and look, mate, if you hadn't have texted me, I was uh, watching the uh, auction and uh, would have uh, bid on a bottle myself to uh, to give away to our listeners. So, um, send us in your thoughts about any of the things that we talk about, you know, and it doesn't have to be agreeing with us. As we said, uh, beer is a conversation, and uh, believe it or not, we're not always right. Um, how about, yeah, just send in a card or a letter this week, uh, an email, a text, um, and uh, best letter wins. It's a triple prize, so not only do you get the... Um the 500ml bottle of Goose Island Bourbon County Stout. You also get uh, a beautiful, it's a quite a high-quality you know, trucker's cap and a wooden-handled uh, bottle opener as well. There you go. Fantastic cause. Uh, Pink Boots deserve support. $2,100 raised. Um, fantastic. Awesome. Couldn't go better. Big kudos to um, Goose Island and CUB and Anheuser-Busch um, for running the auction and you know creating awareness and creating $2,100 worth of uh, you know donations for pink boots <laughs> the one thing about these things always is you know it's god aren't we an altruistic bunch of people um when you look at the production you know, you know I, I presume luke um got paid a fee i hope he got paid a fee um he you know hosted it very well um and you know there, there was a lot of cub staff there and having produced the charlie bamforth live i know that putting something together like that costs a bit more than two thousand dollars um to put on there is always that little bit of me that thinks, you know, wouldn't we be better off giving all of that money um, and then just sort of saying, hey, we made a donation to Pink Boots than going through this whole rigmarole to raise significantly less than the promotion cost? Yes, uh, it, there certainly was. There was uh, there would have been half a dozen production staff um, and equal number of um, of agency staff and and Goose Island staff, uh, you know, manning the the laptops and, and keeping an eye on the you know contacting the the, the winning bidders and uh, and monitoring social and and all that sort of thing, as well as you know keeping the thing going. And there's somebody else who was sort of just keeping an eye on the um, the countdown clock to um, make sure that the you know the auction stayed at the the 60 seconds and and all that sort of thing. Um, so yes, it was a it was a cast of thousands crammed into the back of beer mesh uh, for for sure. Um, it was interesting being in the like in the room, and I, I sort of you know parked myself behind the uh, you know behind the velvet rope, um, mainly because I was, I was just trying to um, heckle Tiff and, and Luke to see if I could get them to stuff up on air, which they did. They were ultimate professionals, and well done to them. Um, but it was just interesting seeing that you know it, it really did create a bit of a bit of buzz, and just following it on my phone, looking at the comments and that sort of thing. There was there was obviously massive engagement. So I guess from a a cost point of view, do they say, well, you know, that's that that's separate, that's building something, it's it's creating an event, getting a bit of excitement about about beer going for something that's an, an hour long. I mean, I was keeping an eye, and I, I think there were, you know, judging by the the numbers that were coming up on my screen, there was like 120 people on at any one time. So, you know, I, I guess massive in that sense is a is a relative, and, and again, taking nothing away from because you need to try this stuff. 
um, and and it's fantastic. But I always, you know, I remember back to when VB used to do the Anzac Day. Was it Anzac Day or Remembrance Day? Anzac yeah, raise a glass. Raise a glass. Yeah, and it was one of the most beautiful um, uh, visual campaigns that you can imagine. You know, it was really nicely done. But then, you know, they would donate one dollar from each carton. So it was basically, well, we're going to spend, you know, a million dollars on a campaign, and then you have to go buy a carton of beer. You know, not we'll match it or anything like that. And you know, I mean, I just can't help but sound snarky um, saying that. And that was my intent because it, but it is awesome. But I always do, you know, I look at, um, you know, whenever I go along to a fundraising dinner and people have, you know. You know, the, the wives have bought a new dress or they've sort of got their hair done and the blokes have sort of gone out and sort of, you know, spent a lot of money and you spend... Hide a penguin dollars. suit. Yep. Yeah, hide a penguin suit. Um, and you, it's a $250 a head dinner for, you know, a, something you could have gone out and spent, you know, it would cost you $150 with all of the rigmarole. You end up, you know, $20 per ticket goes to... Thing, you know, and I sort of think, well, wouldn't everyone be better off just giving the 250 bucks than... Yeah, but, but but then you miss out on the the event. Well, I actually thought I, I I didn't think that was the rabbit hole that you were going to dive down. I I, I thought you might have made mention of that, uh, or, or I, I don't know if you'd happen to notice the fact that um, there wasn't a lot of gender diversity in the auction. I did notice. I, I again, you're only going by the by the names that were appearing on the screen, but they all seem to be, and I can't assume anything from that. But uh, yeah, it, it it seemed to be a lot of blokes. So Tiff was saying, she, I, I think. Uh, we believe that one of the 12 bottles um, was, was purchased by a female. But I just wonder, and I, and I, was, I, was, I was chatting to some, um, some very uh, prominent uh, women in the, uh, in the beer community who have been around quite a while and sort of canvassed their views and sort of say, is it just like, why is that? You know, um, is it, well, you know, the charities for us, so we don't get involved in it, or is it just that, uh, women just don't tend to to be that nerdy that they need to to buy a bottle of beer. Um, I think there's a lot. Part of the feedback was that well, there's, there's that logic thing that I'm not paying that much for a beer. I can you know, <laughs> yeah, some 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 interesting feedback, and I'd, I'd just be interested to hear the listeners' views on on why it was just a very male. I, I just wonder whether it was just a, a I don't know a, a different format or a different auction, different product or a different you know charity uh, end game. Um, would would women be involved in 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 bidding for for beer anyway? I don't know. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd love to sort of get some thoughts on that on, on that one. We should help. This week, the IBA unveiled the artist formerly known as the Australian Craft Brewers Conference is to be called uh, BrewCon. Is that uh, are we jumping into the, uh, the kind of Comic Con and all those sorts of things where it's just too long for the cool kids to say conference, so we just say con, <laughs> which I think conjures up. Oh, sorry, cons up, um, neg, con, <laughs> conjures up negative connotations. Um, but uh, or is it just kind of getting into that zeitgeist that that sort of that um, you know the public a bit of street cred calling it a calling it brewcon. I think it's pretty cool. What do you think? I think you might be overthinking this one, which and I fully appreciate the irony of me saying that someone's overthinking something. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's just a snappy name. It's a marketing name. You know, um, it. You know, Australian Craft Brewers Conference um, 2018, BrewCon. You know, I, I, I can't think of a another um, brewery conference it's called. You know, you've got IBD, you've got all these things. BrewCon is something that will become associated with the Australian Independent Brewers Association Annual Brewers Conference. Um, so it'll just be BrewCon 2018. 
Yeah, I think some of the positives, Matt, are that it takes the word craft out of it and it takes away the emphasis on independent and it's just, you know, brew as a um, as the catch-all kind of, you know, the, the, the general uh, community in which we work and live and drink. Yeah, although then, you know, you sort of think, well, does that mean that the larger brewers and some of the brewers that are owned by larger brewers um, these days are eligible? And I don't think so, given the awards are called the Indies. Yes, change the name from the Australian Craft Beer Awards to the Indies. Or the Independent Beer Awards nicknamed the Indies in, in the same way as, you know, the Australian Television Awards are known as the Logies. Yeah. And again, is, that, is that how you read that? Uh, yeah, look, I just think it's, it, and it says what it is, it says who's involved, and, uh, you know, it's, again, it's just a nice snappy term that, you know, when you sort of, you know, it's just like, God, I'm, I'm, it takes so much time ordering a Pacific Ale. Could you just give me a pack ale, please? Um, you know, nice snappy Don't shorthand. That. We've discussed that. It's but, a soft uh, C for a start, so it'll be a pass ale, which <laughs> sounds like pass, so you wouldn't say it. And secondly, it's like, it's a Holden statesman. It's not a state-o. <laughs> Why not? You know what I mean? Like, you, you, there are some things you just don't cheapen by by abbreviating them. Okay, Professor Pilsner. And while, and while we're on the fucking subject, seriously, it, it's a parma, not a parmi, or a schnitty. All right, it's a parma, <laughs> parmigiana. It's a shortened version of... Thank you. Don't even get me started. <laughs> okay, anyway, anyway, BrewCon 2018, very exciting. Um, yeah. Kim Jordan, founder of New Belgium, is going to be the uh, keynote. Very early days uh, yet for seeing exactly what's involved, but uh, no, very, very, very exciting. It looks like uh, Brews News will be there. We might, well, you'll be there hosting, Prof, um, on stage, and James and I will be holding fort. Uh, looks like we might even have a, a live recording booth um, in the Trade Expo. Oh, excellent. Cool, because we missed you. James and I missed you last year. We had, to, we had to carry you. You know, had to do all the work ourselves. I know that, it, but no, well, like you say, it's it's difficult to justify. You know, having us all there, and I already got some comments from from some people um, questioning uh, that the three of us actually drove from Coolangatta Airport uh, in the same car down to Byron. Oh, really? Week. What happens? You know, if yeah, it's too much of a risk. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. We should we should fly separately and and drive separately. <laughs> well, that was the thing last year. I didn't. Yeah, with uh, it being in South Australia, uh, the, the cost. You know, which we have a pretty good coverage of the East Coast. And if we have to go to Sydney, only two of us have to travel. If we go to Brisbane, only two of us have to travel. If we go to Adelaide or WA, three of us have to travel. So, you know, Bruce News budgets, particularly when we go buy $200 worth of beer. Um, yeah. So, but we all will be uh, there in Sydney. So very excited. Uh, brewers. Sponsors, sponsors, sponsors. <laughs> Send us a letter if you'd like to sponsor us so that we can go to things like that. Well, yeah. And as I said in uh, Beer as a Conversation this week, you can support the show uh, with sponsorship. Um, there'll be a link in the show notes to you know make a one-off donation or a regular you know small donation um, if you like what we do. And uh, for, for for the most part, that's going to be paying uh, for our producer Joe, who uh, I'm, I'm sure you'll appreciate uh, has been doing a tremendous job of uh, lifting the production quality of the beer. And the thing that you won't realise is <laughs> how much of my rent just how much shit she cuts out. <laughs> yes. So uh, if, if you're here for the recording, uh, you'd realise just how much she saves you from listening to. And thank you for that, Joe. And I think on behalf of all our listeners, I thank you. We did have some feedback that the shortened uh, news element is uh, growing like an amoeba. So let's uh, keep chuffing along and not crapping on. Let's keep moving. I did allude to uh, in the intro that you have been quite a prominent in most of the dailies around the country writing opinion pieces as a result of the, uh, the BrewDog news. And um, this week you were lucky enough to appear in a... Uh, what turned out to be, I guess, more of a photo opportunity than a, 
unveiling of a craft beer strategy. But it certainly shows that um, sometimes governments can be quite reactive. And at least if nothing's actually come of it yet, uh, at least the ball's rolling in terms of um, Queensland government. Absolutely. We, we flagged it last week. And, you know, look, I, I get the impression that the Queensland government thought that they were going to, you know, get all sorts of uh, bouquets for luring Brewdog. There seems to be some it's consternation. Well, yeah, there, there seems to be some uh, consternation that they didn't. And uh, I sort of, uh, was asked for an opinion the day that it was announced, and I gave my opinion, and then that led to someone else going, oh, that was an interesting opinion. Would you write an opinion piece? And then that seems to have... Um, and it, it was none of it was by design, I guess, but I, I, I think because it wasn't just one um, opinion piece, it did seem to have a bit of a snowball effect um, that the Queensland government thought, well, hold on, maybe we do need to get out and learn a little bit more about the craft beer industry. And as a result, um, there, there has been, an, as you identified, a plan to create a strategy. Um, and, you know, look, on one hand, you can go, that's all yes, minister. But on the other hand, I'm just going to say, hey, they're recognising that there is a industry out here that we need to listen to and, uh, you know, um, we'll reserve judgment pending what the strategy is. But the early indications are that it's not just going to be, you know, a couple of, you know, craft beer permits which has been banged on, but the, the Minister certainly was interested in looking at, you know, training strategies, working with TAFE, you know, integrating tourism. So there's a Queensland breweries map, like there's a Queensland wineries map, um, and a whole lot of other, you know, business engagement strategies, which can only be a positive thing. And, uh, you know, it, it, if that comes out of it, um, that is terrific. Um, it's, a, it's a terrific result. And it's a start. So let's hope they can uh, they keep the momentum. Um, in similar news, um, craft beer could be the key to WA tourism success. So obviously... The word's getting out that, hang on, there might actually be something in this. Um, do you think it's the the economic factor? So the numbers sort of being thrown around at the moment, you know, that, that for every one person employed by a big brewery, you know, 10 are employed by, by the small independent breweries. Do you think that message is getting out and, um, uh, you know, tourism ministries are sort of looking at, okay, well, how do we foster this? How do we, you know, get some leverage off it? Yeah, look, and it's really insightful. That that's a, a a great thing, and I think it might even be higher than that, Prof. Um, I think the IBA, and I think for every 0.5 of a job is created per million <laughs> liters of brewed by the big guys, and I think it might even be 20 jobs created per million liters in the craft beer industry. So that's almost a multiple of 40 times the jobs. Um, yeah. And you know, over the 15, 20 years, I've been watching the industry or you know at least had an under a better understanding of the industry than the, the average punter um there's always been chats around excise and things like that there have always been attempts to tell breweries stories but there really does seem to be now um you know a realization that you know we need to tell our story in a way that governments listen to and as we've seen more and more breweries open that's becoming easier because Another opinion piece I wrote um, was looking at, well, you know, wine has been very good at lobbying itself um, and there is a perception around wine that is all misty mornings and urban sophisticates clinking Riedel stemware, um, whereas brewers, the, the mindset tends to be much more along the lines of, you know, a bunch of buff-headed blokes in Hawaiian shirts yeah. at the cricket with a watermelon on the head making a plastic cup snake. Um, and that's the, st- the perception that we need to change if we want governments to take it seriously and tourism is a huge thing um wine by its very nature if you're going to make wine where the grapes are grown you can't grow wine everywhere um you know barley can't be grown everywhere and hops can't be grown everywhere but those ingredients are much more transportable than the ingredients for wine and consequently beer isn't clustered in 
the grape growing regions, you can have um, you know, every electorate in the country can have at least one brewery and maybe even more. And that's a very powerful, if you're looking at jobs and if you're looking at economic growth and you're looking at the, 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 the social positives, which we've missed from um, beer for a long time, it's been a negative, not a social positive. Um, you can spread those very widely. That's a really powerful story. And it's, it's great that government is starting to get it. Yeah. Um, and, and like you say, you, you, you quite rightly point out that not only can, can beer be brewed anywhere, but it can be brewed all year round. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, on the one hand, that's great because, you know, it's, it's not um, as subject to climatic change or, um, you know, variations in season or, you know, good crop, bad crop kind of, kind of thing. Um, but it also means, yeah, it, it, does that, on the other hand, cheapen beer because it, because it can be, we can make it all the time. Um, I absolutely. Like I, again, and it, it's been something that I've been sort of mulling about. You know, beer and wine are fundamentally different because you know we've been drinking wine since we were monkeys, and I can't remember whether we've talked about this on the podcast before. We've only been drinking beer for ten thousand years, but beer was the cornerstone of civilization because you couldn't store grapes, you couldn't store apples, you couldn't store anything to make fermented beverages a million years ago and make them throughout the year. It was the realization that you can store grain and make beer 365 days of the year that gave us a reason to settle down. Um, but that also, to some extent, explains the difference in esteem in which we hold wine versus beer. Um, wine does seem more exotic. Wine does seem more seasonal, um, even though fundamentally they're not. Beer is much more of a daily thing. And, you know, it, but that doesn't mean that we can't still tell the story. Whilst beer is much more of a day-to-day drink, the businesses behind it, um, still have the same story to tell um, a, a, as wine, and I think we're getting better at telling that story. Yeah, James Atkinson told a very good story on Australian Brews News this week. Is the local Guinness all that it's cracked up to be? Yeah, great yarn. I mean, I, I, I saw um, Ale of a Time. Uh, Luke uh, Robertson you know, posted a post, and uh, St Patrick's Day. You know, it, it's one of those things about publishing. You want to capitalise on, on on the the interest in something, and so in the week leading up to St Pat's Day, uh, everyone wants to write about Guinness. And uh, James went back to our chat with Cassie O'Neill, who's you know, a, a lovely uh, Irish lass who swore black and blue that it doesn't taste and she finds undrinkable here to provide a, a, a count of you. On that, Matt, I've just been rereading um, Pete Brown's "A Man Walks Into a Pub," and just reading the bit about uh, coincidentally um, on the plane to Byron, um, reading the section about. Dublin and, and Guinness and because and, he, he went over there for St Paddy's Day ostensibly to, to look at, you know, different beer culture around the world um, and spoke about how, you know, like the second largest um, market for, for Guinness and, and their, uh, their biggest brewery outside of St James's Gate is Nigeria, but it's brewed quite differently. Well, it uses sorghum from memory, doesn't it? Yeah, I think, uh, and you know, there's lots of other things about how how Guinness got its original taste, and you know, trying to save money because unmalted barley wasn't taxed, and so that's why that's why Guinness was made with unmalted barley, and all all sorts of uh, you know stories around it. Um, it. It actually is different. It's it's brewed deliberately to be different. Was was the um, the impression that I was under, and and Pete Brown sort of confirmed for me. So it always amazes me when people say, "Oh, it's not the same." Well, no, it's not because if you're in the in the bar in Dublin. And, and, and you're surrounded by the crack and, and it's just all happening there. That's obviously going to be a different experience to you sitting there and trying to, uh, you know, drink a, a Guinness on your own at home and, and, and identify the, you know, the flavour profile and that sort of thing. It's the binting effect. Yeah, mate, and, and I don't want to shit can it in, in any way, but I have zero interest in Guinness because 
every time you know, like you hear all of these things from you know brewers because it's moved around from you know brewing house to you know whoever's done the the, the local brewing for them. Um, it's moved around and everyone tells a slightly different story and you know there's an essence that's imported from Guinness and then they make a local lager and they just put the um, essence in and when you speak to the brewers from Guinness or the Guinness ambassador they swear black and blue one thing and in in, in a way that's very marketing you know you, you know you're being sold a, a pitch and you know if if you can't get to the truth of the story and then you hear something like that that you know I'd always heard that the Nigerian Guinness was made you know Using rather than import the malts, they make the beer on you know a high sorghum, which you know adds to the creaminess, and so it's one of the most, and it's a higher alcohol and all of these things. It's really hard to nail down the truth, and I've got zero interest in perpetuating nonsense. You know, like if there are very good reasons why it's made locally here, and that you would do things the way you do it, but unless you're going to be honest about the story, I've got zero interest in just becoming a a brand chill um, for it. But that said, and. Uh, Last week, I received a book that I haven't had a chance to read. It's a beautiful-looking book um, from a New Zealand fellow called Rod Smith, and it's called Guinness Down Under, The Famous Brew and the Family Come to Australia and New Zealand. And uh, it does have a um, couple of testimonials on the back. There have been a number of books written about the Guinnesses and the brewery, but to date, no one has covered the antipodes. This volume admirably fills that gap. Edward Guinness, CVO. And John Harvey, who is a uh, former technical brewer at South Australian Brewery and uh, you know, a real industry stalwart and uh, you know, uh, probably not known to most of our listeners, but a, a, a real legend. Um, I commend Rod's decision to combine a family saga with a fascinating account of the role the Guinness family and its famous Dublin stout have played for so long in Australia and uh, New Zealand. So... Given that that's laid on my desk, I haven't yet broken the spine, but it looks like a. a I'm going to get into that this this week, Prof, and maybe we can uh, dig a little bit deeper into the uh, Guinness story next week. In a garden, what a garden. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. Other beers that perhaps taste the same or not as you think they should taste. Um, you received some beer in the mail from the Beer Fairy. I might actually introduce a story. There's a, a story um, that came up in my news feed this week, you know, with the provocative title, Why Bland American Beer is Here to Stay. Um, I wrote an article this week describing them as anodyne um, lagers, you know, the, the mainstream lagers that, you know, are, are more about brand than anything else. And, uh, you know, we talk about a craft beer revolution. Um, and you know, one day everyone's going to drink IPAs, and you and I have been sort of questioning that for a while, Prof. And uh, I thought this was an interesting article that looked at the evolution of beer, and a lot of people want to say that it is the CUBs and the Lions and the Anheuser Bushes of the world that, you know, because of their bastardry, um, have killed beer and made it uninteresting. And you know, I've been saying for a while that you know, ultimately it's because that they've been making beer that people want to drink, which is the first thing, and. Uh, you know, so I was reading that article. You, you, you get all unsettled, thinking, "Well, maybe people do like this beer as a, a, a as a base," um, and you and it gives you all sorts of uneasy feelings about 
the role that beer has in society. And then, yeah, th- this week I got a beer um, trailblazer Aussie Lager from Two Birds, you know, fantastic brewery. I rate their Golden Ale when fresh as one of the great beers in the country and they you know, make great beer. And th- this beer came, you know, very brightly lit can, tried the beer, absolutely faultless. You can't say anything negative against it except if it was given to me in a blind tasting of commercial lagers, I really don't know that I would pick it out, pick out which one was the craft beer. Um, and you sort of think, well, what's what's going on here? And it it's, was made to um, as part of their sponsorship for the women's AFL, I think. The AFLW, the um, uh, Western Bulldogs AFL, um, AFLW yep. team. And so it's a beer for the footy, um, and that, that's fantastic. But it, you know, I'm just sort of sitting here thinking, well, what does this beer say about the, the mainstream beer market? What does it say about the craft market? Um, you know, is, ultimately, do people want to drink this beer? And if they do, what does that mean for craft beer? My guess is that that, that beer would have been, the recipe would have been designed with the target market, the, the, like the small initial target market in mind um, at the Witten Oval. Um, so, so the Western Bulldogs um, now played their home games at either uh, Dockland Stadium or, or the MCG. The, the old suburban grounds are pretty much gone now and, and AFL is consolidated. So you, you play all your games at the, 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 the main stadiums in each state. The players still train and, and you know, head office is often still uh, at, at the old suburban grounds. And the AFLW, uh, with the smaller crowds um, and, and being able then to modify the ground for the 16-person competition uh, rather than 18-man uh, AFL, um, you're then bringing in a lot of people who would normally, I guess, saunter up the bar and expect to get a Carlton draft or a, a Carlton mid or a Forex gold kind of thing. So I wonder whether the beer was designed with that target market in mind to say, here's an, in- an entrance into, you know, an introduction to, to, to craft beer, but don't worry, it's not a big hoppy you know, IPA. It's something that you are going to be very familiar with. And I, I don't know that there's anything wrong with that as a as a, uh, a business decision absolutely not and that's where like it's very hard to, to say these things to, to discuss these things and not sound like you're shit canning and, and and i agree like that's exactly why you would have brewed it but then but then you went on to say and it's an introduction to craft beer but if it's an introduction to craft beer how is an introduction to craft beer when it's the same beer that you'd be drinking at the mcg from one of the big brewers um except that it is supporting well, is that maybe where the penny drops you go oh actually well i, I might i might try something uh, and I might I might try something else if it's you know, but uh, it, it, it's not that it's not that different to what I was expecting. But then why would you go on and do it? You know, like wouldn't because again, like I, it, it's a beautifully made beer, but it, it is exactly as as you described the sort of beer that you would cater to, you know, that you would brew down to if you're talking about this view that craft beer is something different and bigger and things like that. So it's actually brewing or talking down to an audience rather like you know shit prof. I, I would be really disappointed if you didn't serve golden ale um, at at a football ground and didn't have at least half the people go. Yeah, actually, that's not that's not so bad. I could drink that. I, I, I couldn't drink a six pack of it because it's uh, so flavoursome. But you know, I, I could certainly <laughs> drink it and enjoy it. And that's where yeah, you know, like again, like I, I fully acknowledge that it sounds like you're sort of having a go, and it and it's not. Um, I, I got in trouble this week on Facebook uh, by you know defending <laughs> um, Carlton Draft. You know, I, I actually think Carlton Draft is, you know, the, the, those Carlton Draft tanks from uh, marketing and uh, educating the consumer about beer freshness and getting people excited about the liquid 
and not about the fact that it's delivered to the brewery by horses, which is complete bullshit and does nothing. Unpasteurised beer that's delivered fresh um, every uh, week or so is a fantastic thing. And suddenly I've got you know, somebody sort of saying, you know, where's your indie cred? You know, well, you know, what about the independence? And you go, well, hold on. <laughs> you don't have to hate one arm of the brewing industry in order to love and support the other arm of it. And this is just the flip side of that. You know, how is this beer um, vastly different from Carlton Draft? Um, and if you're going to have a go at Carlton Draft, why does this get a leave pass just because it's made by a fantastic pioneering Australian independent brewery? That's the only question I've got. And to me, it means that, well, hold on, all beer is good and you just decide where you want to spend your money. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I see your point and I... Um encourage our listeners to if, if you have a, a counter opinion let us know join in because this is a, a topic that i'm really really interested in getting opinions for and may, maybe this is where we can uh, sort of incentivize people with that bottle of uh, bourbon county stout that cost us 200 dollars. Um, how much did it retail for in the shops prof uh, no idea. Uh, okay. Anyway, and everyone who uh, sends us an email um, or, you know, maybe posts in the comments of, of this podcast, will grab your address. And even if you don't win the Bourbon County Stout, we'll send you a Brews News bottle opener because it's a really interesting conversation. And uh, I had a catch up with uh, Will Isabel from the Crafty Pint um, up here. And Will's Will, Yeah, great. We, we, we did touch a, a little bit a on this. A lot of fun to have a beer with you, Will. He's a you know, really smart, lovely guy, and uh, you know, I'm very jealous that uh, Crafty uh, has him because I'd love him uh, doing a little bit of writing for us. But no, it was one of the things that came up then um, in, in our conversation. So it's, it's, it's a fascinating, um, and you know, I, I just can't stress enough, if, if I don't go through expl- explanation, I do seem to be uh, yelled at for the wrong reason, for what I... So. <laughs> when you go through the, uh, working through the whole thing, yeah, you get yelled at anyway, so... Yeah, you can't win. Yeah, but but like you don't see sourdough bread makers saying, "Well, look, you know, we have to make a you know a mighty white um, supermarket bread because our sourdough is a little bit too challenging." You don't see farmhouse cheesemakers going, "Well, we need to create a craft single because our cheddar cheese might be a little bit too challenging." We are seeing um, craft brewers saying, "Well, maybe you know, if we are going to get into these things, we do need to be." brewing down to from from what the dialogue in the industry was 10 years ago but anyway look at mate we're we're running out of time as it is so uh let us know what you think and maybe we can even do a if we get enough uh, comments we can do just a special discussion on that exactly and you might like to uh, send us an item in our mailbag which a couple of our listeners have done this week i received from uh from chris harvey chris said uh, anyone who played rbn bingo this week would be pleased to find the word nuanced on their card and in other news, uh, he thought Hendo was fantastic, which was a separate message that I got. Okay, so new, so we've been using so Nuance a little bit. We must have, in one of the episodes. We must have. Uh, we were possibly talking about you know um, lagers. craft lagers. Yeah. yeah, pragmatic is a word that has uh, got to be on the bingo card at the moment because I've been using it a lot uh, recently. So, uh, mate, Chris, thank you for very much for letting us know. And it, it can be a little bit hard trying to use different words to describe something like that. And uh, you know. Sometimes a word like nuanced because you don't want to talk about complex or you don't want to talk about, you know, like hop forward is one subtle. of those. Yeah, yeah. subtle, forward, yeah. yeah. But you, but you yeah. still want to convey subtle without making it pejorative. You want to, so nuanced is you know, subtle right. but positive. Anyway, yeah, but, but, but good call. I received my um, uh, Ale of a Time podcast um, bingo card in the mail last week and uh, it's, just, it, it's just 16 squares. All of them uh, contain the word delicious. <laughs> 
So it's a very bad drinking game to get into when Dave and uh, Luke start talking about beers um, and you've got to drink every time they say delicious. Particularly seeing uh, we now, don't like promoting drinking games on this uh, on this podcast in any shape or exactly. form. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we don't mind a bit of booze. Um, another one here from uh, from Ross. G'day, guys. Just started listening this year and love your podcast. Wanted to ask you, why is beer so expensive in Australia? I've just been living in California for the past five years. Uh, it gave me a taste for the hoppy craft beers only to come back here and find that they are so expensive. Had a hard time justifying buying them now. 70 to 100 bucks for a slab, dollar for dollar, uh, brackets, i.e. excluding the exchange rate, for the price of a six-pack of Pirate Life at Dan Murphy's, you could buy a whole slab of stone from Costco in the States, which, which works out to around, uh, he says, $27. Yeah, you won't be buying stone in Australia for a, a fraction of the cost of uh, Pirate Life. I think Pirate Life still edges it out, and uh, it's probably fresher. Uh, there we go. Um, he continues, uh, why do we pay so much more here? Thanks in advance, Ross. And a PS, the best before date issue has been fantastic. I realised that I'd grown complacent and stopped checking. Then wondered why discount Pacific Ale from my local celebrations has no flavour. Now I'm careful to make sure I'm getting fresh beer. Cheers. Thanks, Ross. Ross, if you uh, like the best before, I recorded this week a what, what I regarded as a like, and, and I'm very biased because Ian Watson is uh, like a Mr Miyagi um, to me. He is a bit of your sensei, isn't he? Well, he, he's a guy. When I started doing beer tastings, we started the business together, and you know, like I think I would have had a very different. He's as you'll hear, um, and we might slot it in next week, given we've it's become apropos this week. My beer career would have been very very different if I'd started working with somebody else, because as you'll hear next week, he's a real puritan but he's very thoughtful and he sticks to what he what he believes and uh really interesting chat about why they put four month old of your four month used by dates on their beer um and just as a practical thing he halfway through the interview we got up grabbed a can of four month old pilsner and then we sampled uh, you know that he had kept in um his brewery cool the whole time but it was four months old versus a brand new fresh one and the difference, even allowing for the not, not being a blind tasting, the difference was uh, astounding. Um, I still would have drunk the four-month-old one, but that was a well-looked-after four-month-old one. So yeah, so listen out for that next uh, week, Ross. And uh, as for the why is beer more expensive, there's a whole range of reasons. Tax is a very, very significant one. Yeah, 100%. I think we used to figure something around, you know, for, a, say, a $55 carton of just basic you know mainstream beer i think there's around 18 dollars of that is is excise it might even be more now and obviously that goes up twice a year every every six months that that sounds uh, about right yeah we're a smaller market so you don't get the same benefits of uh you know so so the 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 cost uh spread over there's there's a whole lot of things but Uh, raw um, materials packaging um bottle caps labeling transport everything yeah um does does tend to add a little bit to the uh, and I guess too in the states because there's so much competition. Um, is it just that you know? Well, you know, we've got to make our work out how to how to make our beer cheaper. I don't know whether it's you know smaller margins, higher volumes that they work on when you've got you know 340 odd million uh, population um, and the number of beer drinkers within that. Whereas we're looking at you know just under 25 and the the percentage of beer drinkers in that. Uh, it's a much smaller base to work from. Mate, I'll just sort of look at the price of coffee in Brisbane versus the price of coffee in Melbourne. There's a, like a 25% difference in coffee prices. And uh, yeah, you know, what, but, do you pay, what do you pay for a, a, a flat white in uh, Brisbane? Probably around about four fifty-five bucks. Four, wow. four to, four to five dollars okay. depending on the size and the, the venue and that sort of thing. So, yeah, so you... Um, and, and a lot of that's got to do, yeah, you know, 
I wouldn't imagine that it's rent because Melbourne's not a cheap place to uh, set up shop. Not at all. But it's competition, you know, demand. I, I don't know why, but uh, there, there is a big difference. But uh, yeah, mate, and, but Ross, if you can flick those two emails through to me, uh, Prof, I'll uh, contact the guys, get their postal addresses and send them a bar blade. Yeah, done. Uh, thanks very much, Matt. Covered a lot of interesting topics considering there wasn't a lot of news there this week. We do thank all our listeners and especially our, our sponsors and supporters who make Radio Brews News possible. We absolutely do. Crime Alt and Brewpack are our chief uh, long-term uh, sponsors and we couldn't do it without them. And uh, if you are in the brewing industry, uh, support the people who support your industry. Exactly. And on that note, we thank you for listening again this week and we shall see you all again next week. We're out.